APU. American Public University is proud to present The Everyday Scholar. Hello, my name is Dr. Bjorn Mercer, and today we're talking to Professor Stephen Schultz, philosophy faculty in the School of Arts, Humanities, and Education. And today our conversation is about people talking about things they do not know. Great having you here, Steve. Thank you, Bjorn. Glad to be here. Excellent. This is a great conversation, and I think it's only, of course, appropriate for today's political environment. Beyond today's political environment, every political environment. <laughs> and so the first question is, why do people talk about things such as force and passion, about things they do not truly know anything about? I think a lot of this goes back to what Socrates observed about the unexamined life not being worth living. And what he was really getting at was how so often throughout our lives, we live so much of our lives based on our own unexamined assumptions and beliefs. And we tend to get very set in those assumptions and beliefs. And as he said, never really step back to critically examine those to to first figure out what exactly is it that we do fundamentally believe. And then more important on top of that, well, why do we believe what we believe? So I think that's what drives a lot of this is people living their lives more along the lines of assumed belief than really looking at examined belief and, and understanding what they believe and why they believe the things that they believe. And I really like that because it takes a while before, I think as humans, we realize what we believe. <laughs> and for so many of us, we inherit beliefs, either through family or culture or country. And it's very easy to honestly not even think about what they are, where they came from, if they're, quote, good or bad. And in many ways, there's no good or bad sometimes. <laughs> and that really leads us to the next question is, what is the difference between personal opinion and an informed position. One of the things that I always try and get across, particularly in my classes, is trying to create an understanding of that distinction. A lot of what we see are people sort of living their lives based on their personal opinion. Again, really not thinking about why they believe what they believe, not really doing very much gathering of evidence, examining evidence, critically thinking about things. So personal opinion is more just an individual's unexamined assumption about a thing and contrast that with a person having an informed position where with an informed position, it's more the person has taken the time to think about their own thinking and really critically examine their own thinking and understand well, what is it that I actually believe? Why do I believe what I believe? And what is the evidence that leads me to that conclusion? And is that evidence good? Is that evidence bad? And with an informed position, that's that's really getting at taking the time to, to critically reflect on our own thinking and looking for the evidence to be able to form a good conclusion, for example, as opposed to personal opinion of, well, maybe I don't like, I've just decided I don't like X. And I never really take the time to think about why is it that I don't like X? Do I really even have any good reasons for not liking X? Is there any evidence that actually supports that? 
one of the things that I often see is sort of like the the tail wagging the dog where somebody will form a conclusion if they even look at evidence, try and cherry pick evidence that supports the conclusion they already made instead of following the correct path of, well, let's first look at the evidence and see what the evidence tells us and then make an informed decision on the evidence of having examined everything this is what I believe about whatever the topic may be, and this is why I believe it, and I know I've looked at the evidence, I've thought about it, I've examined it, and I know I have a really good basis for my belief. Again, as opposed to I've just decided, <laughs> just gone with my feelings or whatever, and decided whether I like X or not, and really haven't thought about it. So I think that's the big distinction between personal opinion and an informed position. And again, I keep coming back to Socrates that I think that's what he was really trying to get at, talking about the unexamined life not being worth living. And in his method of demonstrating that by asking people questions in public and, and very quickly showing that what they thought they knew, they really don't know anything and they're just operating off of assumption that having that informed position is important. We know what we believe and, and we know why we believe it. And we know we have good reasons for believing what we believe, as opposed to we see so many times in the media today and, and things like that, where you know, we see a lot of talking points, whichever side it is, we're just supposed to accept that without really taking the time to examine the evidence. Um, one of the things that I always like to tell students is when you're looking at a particular issue, you have your position and that's no problem to be for or against something. That's that's no problem at all. But as you're looking at the evidence, it's important not to just look at the evidence that supports your position, but look at the other evidence. Try and find the very best evidence that argues against your position and see if you can overcome that evidence. If you have good arguments, that would overcome that because maybe you might just be wrong in your position. Maybe you haven't really informed yourself. And if you do, maybe that would actually lead you to changing your position. We want to try and, and get to the point of having an informed position instead of, as we so often do, just operating off that very surface level personal opinion. And I love how you're talking about personal opinion and informed position. And just like you said, it, most people go through life with loads of personal opinions. <laughs> they have a personal opinion about everything, about politics, about pizza, about which car is the best, how people should live their lives, all personal opinions versus informed positions. And we'll get to these questions in just a second, but about critical thinking and problem solving, I think is a very, very important. But before we get there, what are worldviews and how do they relate to this issue? This is another one of those very foundational things that I think is really at the root of this discussion and of why people get so cemented in their opinions and, and, and really don't want to change is we need to start at a very fundamental level and understand that every person, just by virtue of being a human being, has a worldview, which is basically their outlook on how does the world operate. And whether people realize it or not, Everyone has a certain view of metaphysics and everyone has a certain epistemology. So with metaphysics, 
despite what the New Agers try and say, it's really nothing esoteric. It's simply when the compiler of Aristotle's work got to that part, it was after physics, metaphysics. So that's the name he gave to it. But it's really just the branch of philosophy that looks at the nature of being. What does it mean for something to exist? And there's various different schools of thought on metaphysics, on, on the nature of existence. But all of us have some understanding of what it means for something to exist. And then very much coupled with that, really a person's metaphysics tends to drive their epistemology, which is their belief about the nature of knowledge. So those two really fit together and really go together. And everybody has that. Everybody has a particular belief about how things operate and why they operate the way they do. But again, the problem is that for most people, it's an assumed worldview. It's an implied worldview. And they're not really taking the time to think about, well, what is it did I fundamentally believe about how the world operates? How does all of that fit together? And if we understand our worldview, you know, our worldview is going to give us certain assumptions and certain biases. And those are not necessarily bad things, but we want to be aware of them. We want to be aware of our own assumptions and our own biases. And having that awareness allows us to, again, to critically examine those things, to think about, well, does that make sense? And especially if we're faced with something new, understanding our assumptions and biases can help us understand what our reaction to that is. As, as you said, we grow up in a certain environment and we have a certain way of that we've become used to looking at things. So we're going to have a natural tendency when we're faced with something new or something different to kind of fall back on our basic assumptions. So again, if we know what we're sort of bringing to the table in terms of assumptions and, and, and biases, that can help us maybe be aware of some of our own limitations in our thought and again be able to think about those things a little bit more critically and perhaps come up with different approaches and think about different ways to look at whatever that particular thing is so i think having taking the time to think about our own worldview reflecting on our worldview reflecting on our on how we understand the nature of reality i think that also very helpful in helping us not only understand our positions, but also be able to better understand where other people are coming from. If we understand that we have a worldview, they have a worldview, where do we match? Where do we differ? How can we best actually talk to each other so we can have some meaningful conversation? And I'm glad you talked about, of course, the plurality of different views, because as in any country, everybody believes different things. <laughs> and I'm not even talking about like religion. I'm talking about politics. I'm talking about, you know, what team people support. There's so many different things that people support. Now, do you find that people often will acknowledge that a belief they had was wrong and change? Or do people kind of double down on their biases and their assumptions? I think it really depends on the person. Unfortunately, I think we have we have a tendency to get very entrenched in our positions and often seem to be unwilling to acknowledge if we're wrong. But I think that is a very important thing, though, to sort of have that intellectual honesty, to have that openness to new ideas, to be able to say, oh, well, maybe I was wrong and that's okay. 
I think that's one thing we, we're, we're kind of losing sight of in our society today that somehow if I'm wrong or I disagree or whatever, that somehow I'm inherently a bad, horrible person, which is not the case at all. I mean, maybe we just disagree. That's okay. Maybe I made a mistake in my reasoning. Maybe I didn't have all the evidence. And so my position's going to change. That's okay. There's nothing that does not inherently reflect on us as a human being. And I think that's one of the problems that we see is there is this tendency to take that as sort of a personal affront instead of having that willingness to say, well, yeah, I was, I was wrong. And this is, <laughs> this is what I learned from that. I think that also kind of contributes to a lot of the things that we see going on in our, in our society today, especially with the polarization and, and the so many people refusing to budge from their positions, even if he, even in the face of overwhelming facts, not wanting to uh, acknowledge the facts or even really have a, a, a meaningful conversation. And I'm glad you brought all that up because the next question is about polarization. And to me, one of the most important things we can do as people is to learn from the person across from you. And if you can learn from them and gain new information, and then your own position maybe changes, that's fine. It's okay to change your positions. I don't know if you remember, and I apologize, I can't remember which election cycle this was, but they're um, talking about flip-floppers, <laughs> where you know certain political candidates would flip-flop. But I would hope that, say you have some belief when you're a teenager or 20, and then as you age in your 30s and 40s and 50s, and for politicians in their 60s and 70s, I would hope that your view of the world and your positions would change somehow. There are some core things that will stay with you your entire life. That's, of course, understandable. But we all change. The world changes. The society changes. And so we are all flip-floppers <laughs> in our own ways. And it's okay. We're not giving up anything by changing our positions on any number of things. And so the next question is, how does the polarized nature of today's media environment exemplify this reality? That's really what we are seeing. And... Again, just sort of this entrenchment, people getting just so entrenched in their own ideas and becoming so unwilling to even talk about something. And I think we see that a lot in the media where the media tends to sort of decide on a certain message and that's the message and it's, it's just not going to change and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what evidence there is to the contrary. I've seen clips before where there's multiple different media on different networks and different things, and they're all saying the same exact thing, almost like somebody has, has scripted it, and this is the message, and this is what you're supposed to, uh, supposed to put out there, which, again, doesn't really help anything. As I grew up in the, in the age of Walter Conkright, as an example, where I had no idea of Walter Cronkite's politics when he was giving the news. I think he made an honest effort to try and legitimately convey the facts and leave it up to the viewers to sort of make their own decisions. And I think we've seen a lot of, within the media in particular, a lot of mixing of what used to be factual news reporting with what used to be considered editorial or opinion. A lot of stories that should be factual stories being given an editorial spin. And, and, and instead of allowing the viewer to make their own decision, to make up their own mind, it's sort of like, well, this is how you're supposed to think. And it, it could be, in some cases, it's, it's very, very explicit. In some cases, it's maybe a little bit more subtle, but 
there's particular words that are chosen that very clearly seem like <laughs> you're supposed to come to a particular conclusion. And so I think that doesn't help us at all in our society today. It just reinforces this sort of polarization where, again, we should be open to different ideas and different learning. As I mentioned earlier, this idea that somehow if you don't agree with me, then you're a bad person and you need to be entirely canceled. Well, that's crazy. Some of the best discussions I've had have been with people with whom I completely disagreed, but we did agree to have an honest conversation. We found common ground that we could talk about, and we had a great conversation, even though ultimately we didn't see eye to eye on positions, but we had a great conversation. We had a great exchange of ideas, and both of us walked away from that conversation being good friends and liking each other and having no animosity towards each other, just you know, realizing that a human beings real diversity means we're not always going to agree with each other. We're going to have differences of opinions and that's okay. As long as the other person's difference of opinion doesn't involve trying to eliminate the other side, it's okay to not agree with each other. It's okay to have diversity of thought. That should be a good thing. We should be willing to put ideas out in the public square and the best idea ultimately wins out. If you can give the best argument and the best evidence, then your idea ultimately wins out. And again, if side A's argument wins out, well, that doesn't mean side B is somehow fundamentally bad. It's just side A had the better argument. And I'm glad you talked about all the polarization because today's BD environment is, for lack of a better description, disappointing. <laughs> it's one of those things where I haven't watched cable news in years and I don't ever want to. And I recommend people don't watch cable news because it's called cable news, but it's really just cable opinion. They have very specific shows that are actual news, and they give straightforward news with a slightly right or the slightly left perspective on it. But then you have all of the opinion shows, which are well, largely trash <laughs> um, on the right and the left, because then they, and this is just my perspective, they tell people how they should think versus here's information and this is do what you want, do more research, most importantly. And unfortunately, last 10, 15 years, those media companies have really kind of helped influence how a lot of people think. And some of the best conversations I've ever had just with my neighbors, we all get along, people disagree with me, it's great. <laughs> but you watch the media, you watch cable news, or heaven forbid, you watch it, or <laughs> you observe Twitter. And it seems like the world is ending, the great American empire is crumbling, et cetera, et cetera. And in the same respect, Twitter is a terrible thing <laughs> where only a small percentage of people actually tweet. And those people are of a very specific ideological bend. And so it is not a reflection of the country, but yet the news always loves to grab tweets and they always love to grab these random tweets, <laughs> which really... They reflect some people's thoughts, of course, but are they the majority? Oh gosh, no. But are they extreme and do they forward your ideas? Yeah, they probably do. And today we're speaking with Stephen Schultz and we'll be right back after a short break. At American Public University, we believe that everyone should have access to a great education. It's not a privilege reserved for the few. And we believe higher education must come with lower tuition because when more doors open, more lives change. American Public University. Within reach, without limits. 
Online classes start every month. Learn more at AmericanPublicU.com. And we're back with Stephen Schultz. And so what can be done with uh, people's critical thinking and problem-solving skills so they can have better, more constructive conversations? I think the most important thing is really a recovery of critical thinking itself. As I talked about earlier, we seem to have this misunderstanding in society today that opinion equals fact and that my opinion is my critical thinking when it's really not. It's just what I feel about something. It's not even it's not even what I think about something. And I like to make a distinction between thinking and feeling because so many times people say, I feel when they actually mean I think. And feelings has to do with either sensation, I feel cold, or subjective emotion, I feel sad. Whereas thinking has to do with the use of reason and, and the intellect. So we want to help overcome this. We want to truly be in the realm of critical thinking. We, we want to, especially if it's a hot button issue, we want to understand, yeah, that's entirely designed to inflame our emotions. And we see the commercials on TV that they're clearly just trying to play at our emotions, which is a logical fallacy. So when we see those kind of hot button things that we know, they're completely intended to make us react emotionally and not even think about it. Oh, how can that person be saying that? They must be a horrible, awful person, so I don't even need to listen to them. Understanding what is being done to us can be very helpful and can help us think, okay, I need to step back, get the emotions under control here, and actually critically think about this, whatever the subject is. Again, going back to looking at evidence, looking at, at all of these sorts of things and trying to really truly understand it I think one of the most important things that we can do, I mentioned earlier about having conversations with people where we really completely disagreed on positions. We really didn't see eye to eye on, on things, but we had great conversations. One of the other reasons we were able to do that is we tried to find common ground. You know, Even with the person that I radically disagree with, I'm sure I can find something <laughs> that both of us enjoy. I mean, even if it's, you know, I like dogs and the other person like do likes dogs, we, we have some kind of common ground that we can start from. We can see, yes, we neither one of us, even if we don't agree, clearly neither one of us is this horrible, awful person who is just the bane of the earth or something. Trying to find that common ground so we can have some basis for a conversation. And again, at the end of the day, if we ultimately don't agree with each other, we don't agree, but we could still have in between there, we can still have a good conversation and maybe even pick up things that we can think about food for thought, kind of having a having a better understanding of where the other person is coming from and those sorts of things. And I'm really glad you talked about critical thinking and problem solving skills. Now, do you think most people have good critical thinking skills and how can they help improve their critical thinking skills? Unfortunately, I don't think they do. For for whatever reason we seem we seem to have lost sight of the importance of teaching critical thinking in school. They've never really been taught how to think critically. And it seems like they've been told that whatever they believe, regardless of if it has any basis in reality whatsoever, that that's reality and no one can tell them any different. But really that just goes back to opinion. But I think, again, having learning to recognize, taking that time to critically think about our own thinking and trying to understand 
what do we believe? Why do we believe it? Does it make sense? Kind of starting with ourselves, starting with a good self-reflection of ourselves to understand where we're coming from. Because we understand where we're coming from, then that can help us better engage with another person. And again, having that sense of where they're coming from, being able to find that common ground. But I think overall, though, with critical thinking, it's very important that we be willing to put emotion aside, to dig into things, to do our own homework on things, to, to dig out the facts for ourselves, to dig out evidence for ourselves and take a look at that evidence. And again, evidence on both sides of whatever something might be to really inform ourselves and, and have a really good understanding of things. Again, especially because so much of the information that is being directed toward us, as you said earlier, is really being sent to us in a way that it's trying to make our decisions for us instead of, hey, here's the information, you process it and make your own decisions. I think that's said in, in the face of, of what we see today, I think that's very important. And I completely agree. And um, for the last question is, how can we move forward as a country with such distrust as seen in the media? I would say in most people's local environments, like their cities, their towns, the people they know, it's not nearly as much distrust. And I, I think it's more of a rarity. And the national media, because of what I would say the financial incentives help create that distrust. So how can we move forward as a country? I think what you mentioned earlier is very important of getting off Twitter and not informing ourselves via Twitter and learning to be really good consumers of media information. Going along with Twitter, as you said, I, just, I mean, there's so many news, quote unquote, news stories that I've seen today that are nothing but a bunch of tweets from various people. And that's supposed to be journalism. As you said, I mean, really, it doesn't matter if so-and-so tweeted whatever. That's really here nor there. I think starting with recognizing those things is, is very, very helpful. One of the things that I think is, is very interesting is John Paul II, he, two of his encyclicals, Faith and Reason and The Splendor of Truth, in there he talked about the importance of truth and how when a society starts to abandon the concept that there is at least some objective truth, that as that goes away, we lose sort of that common foundation that we can share together as all human persons. If we abandon the concept of truth, then we abandon that foundation that sort of connects us together as human beings all across the world and really throughout time. And he talks about in there how we would end up in exactly the kind of situation where we see today that if we abandon the concept that there is truth, then all we end up with are just various polarized groups who think whatever they have defined as the truth is the truth. We lose that commonality. We lose that foundation that we from which, again, we, we can have a conversation. So I think working to recover a concept of truth is important, that there is some objective truth. If there wasn't, then that would mean that things like science and, and even medicine are ultimately pointless because we wouldn't even be able to know anything. Yet we do know things. So that would seem to indicate there is at least some objective truth and that it is knowable. I think that recovery of truth 
is very, very important as part of this to be able to correct these things. I also think what you brought up is also very important of looking at our local communities and seeing that in most cases, our local communities are not as bad as the media would want us to believe. And also that we, as human beings, have far more in common with each other than what the media would try and, and have us believe and trying to divide people and you're in this group and you're in that group. For example, I think pretty much everybody, regardless of where they are in the world, they want to be able to have a safe environment for their family. I don't think anybody would object to that at all. I think despite the media's and different groups' attempts to try and divide us and try and say, oh, you're this group and that group's against you, you can't do have anything to do with that group. I think in reality, if we look past that, we find that we do have things, far more things in common. We do have things that we can have with which we can form a basis to, again, have those conversations and try to talk to each other and try and understand each other. Is it, you know, maybe we don't agree on everything. And again, that's that's perfectly fine. But at least at least we had the conversation and we we understand we, we have far more in common with each other than we do different with each other. Exactly. And so really excellent conversation today, Steve. Any final words? Appreciate you having me. Excellent. Today we were speaking with Stephen Schultz about people talking about things they do not know. And my name is Dr. Bjorn Mercer, and thank you for listening. For more information about our university, visit us at studyatapu.com. APU, American Public University.